this is Shane Warne. Make sure you plough on. Do plough and CC. Plough on, guys. Too much. Uh, we didn't win the link by accident. We did that by design. It was very much planned. I just try to get it in the right spot, really, and see what happens. He said to me, mate, I really think you should put your lid on. Next ball, bowl me a bouncer. We've been for six. So. <laughs> this, this club is beyond cricket. Plough's cricket is the greatest club in the world. world. Hello and welcome to Thanks for Coming, a cricket podcast by the most handsome cricket club in London, if not the world. Uh, my name is Max and I'm possibly the most aptly named host for this week's podcast, given my contributions on the field this weekend. I'm part of the sixth pairing of hosts for Thanks for Coming, as you've heard through the last few weeks. But my other half, the leather to my willow, Mr. Umar Iqbal, is on his holidays. So here we are. I am, of course, though, not alone. I am joined by two very, very, very special guests. The first guest joined today is last season's top run scorer, the longest haired man in the plough and the new stash snapback model. Yes, we only put the only two people in the club called Max on the same podcast. It's Mr. Max Gumpert. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Max. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be on again. Um, yeah, feeling pretty stiff after some double header over the weekend, um, but great to be on here. Lovely to be doing nothing on a Monday and have time to do the pod. Indeed, nothing like a Monday lunchtime recording. And our second guest is a, well, he's a new man. He's made an immediate impact on the club, mostly with his match report so far, delivered both orally and in written form, as well as his off-spin and part-time lower-order biffing. He's a new friend of the show, making his studio debut. It's Mr. Tom Glynn-Jones. Tom, how are you doing? Max, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to make the, the pod debut and a nice break from revision. So thanks for having me. Indeed. Uh, as is customary on the Thanks for Coming podcast, we should obviously start with uh, a brief introduction in more in depth to both our guests. Uh, obviously, everyone has heard Max on the podcast before, but uh, Max, give us a quick intro and uh, your plough history to date. Uh, so I joined in COVID year 2020. Um, as many people have already heard, Liam and Trent uh, chirped me in the last game of the season when we got to drinking after a, another classic Morden Plowman's game. Uh, and since then, uh, I've had well, this is my third season. It's been wonderful so far. Met so many great people. Um, and scored a few runs along the way, and uh, just enjoying every minute of it. And what number of appearance of the pod is this for you? Uh, well, it's my second studio appearance. I've been featured in some voice notes, and I, I've written into the pod a few times as well. Not quite as good as Michael Ainsley, best friend of the show, but I'm hunting him down. Moving on to our newbie, Mr. Mr. Glenn Jones. Uh, this is the most narcissistic question a podcast host has ever asked, but how did you get involved with the plough? Yeah, you know the answer to that one well. Um, I, I, I found the plough through you. You started playing in last year, 2021, um, and were raving about it. I was looking for a club, um, said, and you said, come down to Nets. So I came down and the rest is, rest is history. So um, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, so what were your first impressions of the club, being someone who's uh, sort of joined at the end of one season, start of a new season? So I think it worked really well for me. So I came down to Nets a few times, including for the for the final of the the final match in the in the T Twenty competition last year. So quite a lot of people milling about. Came down to Nets a few times, and then um, sort of was was chatting with with development officer at the time, Grazer, and got me in for a, a couple of games at the end of last season, and then Club Day. Max was actually my first uh, my first captain, my first game. It's Hickos one four seven. Um, so yeah, it was good to good to get to know people at the end of last season. Came to the Christmas dinner as well. Everyone very welcoming, and then has been good to hit the ground running at the beginning of this season. So, yeah, no, it's been a good, good experience. I have to say, I barely remember your first game. I was absolutely hanging out of my arsehole on that day, but I, I believe you bowled well. It was fairly uneventful. I, I remember, I remember Hicko making some runs, but that's about it. And that was basically the highlight of the day. <laughs> and then, Tom, so what is your? Would you say is your plough highlight to date in your? Nine months involved. Arguably the one that doesn't count towards stats. It was club day last year um, in a game that you were actually wicket keeping. Um, and we were we were up under the cosh, um, defending a, a maybe slightly below par total. 
um, and had to had to bowl the final over, really thrown under the bus there, um, and yeah, managed to managed to, to 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 get it home with some great keeping from you. I have to say, a few stumpings there for you. I think we did get three stumpings, including Leon Parks telling Leo Canelli to uh, go away, shall we say, uh, due to his decision making. Thanks, Leo. Uh, and also, Tom, one question we <clears throat> ask a lot of our newbies. Do you have any nicknames yet in the plough? Anyone, anything come uh, up? No, nothing, nothing that's stuck thus far. So, um, yeah, blank, blank canvas. So um, suggestions welcome or not. Perambulating septuagenarian could be Bit of a mouthful. One, who knows? For somebody called Tom Jones, there's a pretty easy one out there. I just feel like somebody needs to make that connection and maybe like just start singing Delilah whenever he's like getting ready at the top of his mark or something. It wouldn't be terribly original, but uh, but it's it's better than nothing. Got to start somewhere. I think shout out to Tom London. I think he might have put that in the chat straight away, right at the top of when Tom first joined. But that was months ago. But also Delilah, I said, a bit of a niche nickname going into a cricket a cricket match. And obviously, we finish this section every every time there's a newbie on. Uh, Tom, who is your favourite ploughman? I just want it on record that I oppose this question massively um i think variety is the spice of life uh, and i am also still new so um will inevitably leave people out um but i think i think the joy of the plow is as i say uh, a pretty bright a pretty varied uh, bunch of people so you've got horses for courses or um sort of like the sort of mambo number five lyrics um and we are a bit of an extended slightly chaotic family um but weirdly we function pretty well and you've got sort of the firm hand on the tiller uncles you know leon damo and you've got people who get the jaegers in at granny's birthday rahul yanni and certain other, uh, unnamed others um and i think for me really coming in um and net and going down to the dsg nets on a thursday evening quite a lot early um they're sort of like the cousins that live nearby and you see quite a lot of you know people like leo uh, greg daisy dukes the gumpets um, but I think really it, it probably needs Does to. Does that make the Maid of Ale Nets people the weird cousins you never see and never talk about? Exactly, exactly. There's um, been some horrific family argument and there's just no conversation going on there anymore. No, it's just occasionally meet up at Christmas, but it's a, but a little bit tense. Um, but yeah, I think, I, think, I think it really should probably, for, for, for someone who's new, come down to those that sort of keep order amongst the chaos. Um, and it is, you know, as always, and I think it's been said on the pod before. It's a very long list. Um, but, you know, Grazer was there, brought me in while development officer and now Puffy's taken over, I think, do, do a huge amount for the club and are really actively involved. And then I think Spence does a lot behind the scenes as well. So I think I've shouted out enough people there to give myself enough coverage on this question. Um, we need a name, Tom. We need a name. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Not, it's not an Oscars acceptance speech. We want one name. That's all it is. I'd much rather just be slapped and walk off, to be honest. But... Um, <laughs> Um, I think I think we're going to suck up to those in, in present company. First captain, first game of the plough, regular attendee at DSG Nets, none other than Mr. Max Gumpert. Well, if there's, if there's nothing else, they'll get you through. Brown nosing will do it. That's enough of the introductions. Let's move on to the cricket. We'll start off by talking about the Saturday Ones game with our first team guest, Mr. Max Gumpert. Max, who is the opposition? We were playing St. Luke's. Um, it was a lovely day uh, down at Tolworth Court Sports Ground, the Kingston University Sports Ground. Um, Liam Gray was captain, took out a fine-looking ploughman's team, uh, and he lost the toss. And I think he was planning on batting, but the St. Luke's captain beat him to it, so they went into bat. Okay, so we've been pretty formidable with the ball so far this season. Did that trend continue? Yes, it did. Uh, like you said, the bowling has been outstanding this year. Um, and uh, on the day, it was no different. Uh, Bolshaw and Puff opened up, very economical as always. <coughs> um, Puff uh, snared a few wickets at the top, bowling excellent line and length. The man is obsessed with line and length. Uh, and he nicked off couple of their batsmen was far too good. Matt had a bit of a quieter day, but still kept the runs down. Good opening partnership. And then the skipper turned straight to the leg spin of Adam Barraclough, who got the ball to do all sorts. I mean, uh, it was it was bouncing and it, 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 the, the pitch was slightly odd. We thought it was going to be a road when we saw it, but um, actually it did, it did a fair bit. And there were a lot of balls that sort of popped up, especially off the spin of Adam. He bowled excellently, eight overs for 24. 
uh, one wicket. So maybe a good toss to lose in the end. Well, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure we would have batted. Who knows how we would have gone? You know, it's for the it's for the mystics to decide. But uh, anyway, it didn't really matter because Oli Lonsdale came on and does what did what Oli Lonsdale does: seven overs, twenty one runs, four wickets, like smashed it. Could have got another hat trick. Was very unlucky not to. A couple of questionable LBW decisions again from the umpires, not given. I, I honestly think they just toss a coin in the air whenever the ball hits the pad, and whichever way it lands, that's that's their decision. Anyway, and then, yeah, Liam finished off, tidy spell, and Tiz got the last wicket in his last game. Finished off very nicely. Important to note as well, Oli Lonsdale's first wicket, I believe, was his 50th for the club, so massive congratulations to him. He's an absolute steam train this year, and uh, I'd say that the, the, the Surrey League batsmen are quaking in their boots whenever they rock up to play the plough. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm quaking my boots when he turns up to nets. I always try and bat first in the nets to make sure I'm not with him. Um, anyone who saw him on Thursday night in the nets, training on his own, hitting every single ball shin high and off stump, would be absolutely terrified. Um, so what did St. Luke's end up on? Um, St. Luke's ended up on 121 um, off about 30 overs. Uh, and uh, we felt we felt pretty confident. We thought that we would be able to chase that down with a decent looking batting lineup. Unfortunately, however, things didn't quite go as planned. Uh, so as people, I'm sure, have noticed, the batting is a bit of a problem at the moment in the ones. Uh, it's it's not lack of talent or lack of application. People are trying their absolute hardest. There are some good bowlers and our batsmen haven't yet hit their strides. So there was a bit of a collapse at the top, as we've seen before. Uh, Steve and Logan uh, both went quite quickly. Suri then started playing very well, um, and Baz kept in company. Both of them stuck around um, uh, before Suri somehow managed to hit one off the back of his bat that then ballooned to sort of gully, uh, just a freak dismissal. Uh, uh, then, I don't know, I chipped one to point. Leo got a horrific LBW decision, pitching outside leg, smashed it into his pad, umpire straight up, not even thinking about it. He's had some really bad luck in the league with his decisions because he was looking good on 19. And then, yeah, Tiz, unfortunately, couldn't repeat his heroics of the previous week. And, I mean, we've asked the tail to bail us out so many times already this season. It was going to come back to bite us at some point. I think you just have to wear it on the chin. And hopefully next week when we're playing, um, we will, you know, pull our fingers out and, managed to actually put together some batting performance. Yeah, well, I'd say it can only, can only really get better on the batting side of things, but as long as the bowling stays strong, you've, always got, to, you've always got to shout in all these games, Absolutely. I guess. And I mean, it's, it's, not crisis, it's, it's not crisis stations yet, right? We're, we're three from four. Uh, it's, 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 it's fine. Uh, we, we, we just need to keep winning and the batting will pick up. You know, the sun's going to come out. Pick, pitches are going to get better. So who'd you say man of the match of that game? Man of the match... Uh, so Ollie bowled really well and got more wickets than him, but I think you have to say Puff. His opening spell was was superb. I'd, I'd go Puff. Lovely stuff. Now we're going to move on to the Saturday twos game, uh, and this week we have a special voice note match report coming from our new overseas pro, Mr. Drew Withers, friend of the show. Hello everyone, my name is Drew and I am bringing you a review of the second 11's clash from the weekend just gone against Burr Heath, which was played out at Leatherhead, a lovely part of town out there. Uh, All players were at the ground well ahead of schedule, which was quite nice, and we were greeted to one of the opposition players in full kit, getting some gentle underarm throwdowns by a four-year-old, which... Look, may have been intimidating to some, but it definitely wasn't to us. However, what was intimidating was the look and feel of the pitch. Um, it had obviously seen some effects from the rain the day previous, and it, and it was quite sticky to touch. So it was going to be an interesting toss ahead for our skipper, Tom Lonnon. He unfortunately lost a toss, and the Burheath skipper put us in. From there, we were able to amass a total of four for 162 off our 40 overs, which was, given the conditions, a really, really good score. We knew it was going to be enough, and ultimately it was, but it didn't come easy, that's for sure. Um, At the top of the order, Alex Cake Julian um, batted extremely well. He hit 37 off 50, which was probably worth 20 or 30 more 
Um, and he walked away with a couple of nice bruises as well. He did a super job there. And in the middle parts of the innings, we, we sort of needed some stability after losing a couple of early wickets. And Michael Ainsley batted in a super partnership with Tom Lonnan. I think they put on about 92 and and batted extremely well. Did a job for us. Didn't play any rash shots. Um, saw off the good balls. Put away the, the bare balls that they had to. And Michael, as I said, uh, batted well for his 30. And Tom Lonnan, the skipper, did what a skipper needed to do and hit a, a beautiful 50 off 52, which which got us to the total in the end, which, as I said uh, earlier on, we knew was going to be far too much for the Burheath boys. And after a nice little lunch um, where some of the guys had had some sandwiches, I don't know exactly what type of sandwich sandwiches they were, but they smelt and looked delicious um, from the little cafe that was uh, ad- adjacent to the ground. It was time to go out and bowl. And... Unfortunately for the Burheath guys, they were all out after 24 hours for a measly 75. Uh, wickets were, were shared. Lewis will be up top, bowled really well again. He took three for 18 off his six. CRS, Chris Roden-Smith, oh, by golly. If there was a 20 cent, oh, no, I can't say cent, can I? A 20 pence piece on the pitch and he bowled 48 balls, he would have hit it 46 times. And the other two times were, were right beside it. He was bowling beautifully. He bowled eight overs, four maidens, three for eight. And uh, the other, another guy that took four, Drew, oh, that was, uh, yeah, Drew with his bowled um, okay, took four. Could have had five, but was dropped, uh, the f- five for chance was dropped twice in three balls by Lewis Wilby and Michael Ainsley. And I will not be forgetting those two names anytime soon. But all in all, it was a great day out. Um, the second 11 are in a great position so far, uh, undefeated and are looking really strong. And definitely looking forward to the next time we were able to, able to walk out there and, and do what we do well. So thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, Drew. The Mighty Tears roll on. Uh, another win in the bank. Uh, it's done really well for the club so far, I think, having a second second competitive eleven on a Saturday, and they're continuing to show why they're uh, top of the league. Good to see Drew not giving himself the Man of the Match award. So it's becoming, it's becoming a bit of a uh, routine now. Uh, there was a Saturday Threes game that, Max, you were taking part in. Um, could you set the scene for us, please? Yeah, we were all traipsing up to Harrow uh, this weekend to play Jarl CC. Um, a team based in a public park. So we were playing on a public park pitch. It was a sort of nice enough day. Sun cream was out for the pasty ones among us. Um, others didn't bother. We were on trains with many a Sunderland fan as we slid past Wembley before the playoff final. Um, came out to the pitch. The pitch looked okay. There was dip- noticeable divots on the pitch, so we were a bit nervous going in. Um, but there groundskeeper slash head of admin said to us that the average pass score on this was over 200. So we were, we were thinking, Oh, maybe a bat's better than it looks. Interesting. And so difficult decision at the toss. Uh, no, I think we were, we were always looking to, to bowl first, having looked at the pitch because we thought it was a bit few uneven marks and we had a lot of, uh, a lot of different types of bowlers on the day. So we thought we could take advantage of that. So captain Davies, uh, won the toss, um, put us into the field to first. And so how did you start off? We started off absolutely as perfectly as you probably can be, was Greg drilled one into the back pad shin high of the opening batsman, although the umpire decided that it probably wasn't out. Um, Leave his decisions to him, but Greg was absolutely furious. (laughs) And then uh, the second, second ball, Greg did the exact same thing. And the umpire had to give it out this time. So we were the naught. So Yarl were naught for one off two balls. Which good to is not see, a bad uh, start at all. And, good, um, good to see first ball grace uh, applies in uh, in Saturday cricket. French cricket, Saturday cricket, Yarl CC, it's all the same thing. Um, then we went on to, uh, Greg went on to have an amazing opening spell. Uh, and then it came back later for a, a couple, I think, uh, for ending up with three for 22 which is obviously a great score on a Saturday 11. Um, 
everyone bowled really well. Fletch kept unbelievably well, as always, taking a stunning catch uh, diving forwards, but then also taking another one in uh, nicked behind, which is lovely to see as the wickets were sort of shared around across the team. Um, but then in came Joey Anderson, fresh import from Dulwich CC, um, another Aussie bowling. What can I, I can only describe as controlled leg spin, which is a uh, quite the rarity in a, at any level, but he, every ball was on the spot. It's quick. It was bouncing on that pitch. It was an absolute minefield. He ended up taking uh, bowling seven overs with one maiden, only nine runs for four wickets which at that level was unbelievable to watch. I was keeping for most of it uh, and even got managed to get one through myself, but he bowled them. He got them LBW. They didn't know where it was going, where it was coming and uh, ended up being quite a good outing for Joey on his only his second game out for the plough. Yeah, he looks a good bowler, Joey. Played with him on, on Sunday, obviously more on that later, but but looks handy. Got, got a load of variations, varies his pace really well. Uh, it looks like a top find. Indeed. Um, just a shout out, uh, JC, Cash Money, Ravi Cash, win for getting a wicket as well. He kept saying, take me off, take me off. And the next ball was always an absolute stormer. So good captaincy from H to pers- persevere. Speaking of H, he also bowled very well, bowling seam up. Um, I think he saw another leg spinner and felt challenged. So he decided to change it up and was vindicated in the decision. Things things you love to see. Indeed. Reason Iraj came in, both bowling there, sort of slightly floaty off spin and keeping the scores under wraps towards the end, and then Reese took the final wicket, leaving Jarl all out uh, for 126 of only 32 overs. And did that feel did that feel below par? Uh, based on the unevenness of the pitch, it felt quite uh, quite a decent score, but very gettable. Um, the other team were very f- afraid of leaving the ball, so we knew that if we just didn't uh, try and play outside the off stump. Uh, we'd probably be fine. It says quite a lot, I think, about the pitch and the way it, we bowled and the way it played that uh, Rees was feeling at point and had one ball come to him all day. It was just nothing coming off the bat square of the wicket unless it was sort of flicked off the pads. Um, so, yeah, it was a really good bowling performance by our core. Geordie bowled really well as well. I forgot to mention him earlier. Uh, only got one wicket, but probably deserved more. I heard that that was Geordie's millionth wicket as well. <laughs> Can you confirm that for him? I think I think it was his two millionth wicket or something. Actually, good to know. Good to know. Uh, I mean, I don't have access to to Geordie's spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, I don't have access to Geordie's spreadsheet directly, um, but I'm sure it's it's in. It's definitely I, I reckon. Millions. I reckon he'll DM it um, to you if you really want to know. And so, anything to anything to note uh, on the tea front? Ah, uh, it was like being back at a proper tea post COVID tea for the first time for myself. Um, they Costco had been absolutely ransacked. Uh, for wraps and sandwiches and crisps. And I even had a little Mars bar, which was delightful. Um, but it was nice. We ended up having a bit of a plough picnic in the park, just sitting in the sun, chatting about the performance, ready to go out to bat, which is really nice, um, before we headed out to bat again. And how did you start? Well, I opened up with Hansi. Um, and I say a warm day, a pitch with a bit of a slope, and Hansi made me run three on the first ball. So I was absolutely knackered from then then on. Uh, but we ended up, as a partnership, putting 23 on for the first wicket. So chasing 120, 126, sort of take, getting those mid-tier partnerships. Probably, fit, again, feels like a 15 or 20-run partnership more in a lot of these way, a lot of ways with a low total on the board. Um, Hansi then got himself out trying to play a bit of a bigger shot uh, for 11. I... Stuck around with Fletch for a while. He came in and played absolutely perfectly on the pitch. Took his ones when he saw them. Played his shots when he sees them. Um, a really, really solid performance from him, as always, uh, in that period of the game. I uh, put it this way. I, put the, I took the shine off the new ball, but I'm not sure I did much to the scorer's pencil. Uh, as I only got three runs off 29 balls. Um, test match sort of opener. But I got myself... Loves to bat. Indeed, got myself out for a bit, going for a big heave ho to try and actually get some runs. Replaced by Reese, who uh, probably came in and does what he does, hits really nice shots with a proper te- technique. Drove the score scoring speed up a bit with with Fletch to seventy five before he was out. Niraj unfortunately didn't do much. Yanni the same, but then Fletch and Joey took it home 
both finishing not out. Fletch can use half century and a very well played half century at that. 57, nine fours. Joey, 18 off 10. His reputation is preceding him already with his strike when it comes to strike rates as he proceeded to, yeah, three fours in his 18. And Plough got home with seven overs to spare. Sounds like a sounds like a good result for the threes on on a Saturday. So congratulations to you all. Um, any any other any other points to note from the match? Um, how how was the fielding performance? Uh, we fielded well. Joey dropped a big diving catch. I said the main highlight I'd say was Yanni taking a slip catch that took about four hours to reach reach him from the bat, uh, which is a very very loopy edge off Geordie's bowling. But can't complain at all. Really nicely fielded. We don't think we. Don't think we let it up at all, um, which was nice. We let we probably let their last partnership get away from us a little bit, but that wasn't down to fielding. Their ten and eleven just went for a bit of a heave ho, and we didn't get them out, um, which is a shame. But so we were probably chasing twenty or thirty more runs than we would have liked. But other than that, I think we played really well. Good stuff. So in the evening, after all these three games, we popped down to the plough to say a fond farewell to two of uh, ploughmen's. Great Antipodean uh, players. Um, Max, do you want to just have a quick word on Tiz and Baz after we had their drinks on Saturday night? Well, it was the first thing to say is actually slight, uh, uh, slightly missold. Baz, Baz isn't going anywhere for until June. So uh, when I rocked up and was giving him the big uh, goodbye, teary eyed, giving him a big hug and kiss on the cheek, he was like, "I'm not, I'm, I'm not gone. There's, there's a chance I still might play a game." So once I put that aside, you know. The two of them have been fixtures in this club for a long time. Uh, I mean, I remember playing for Morden as a teenager against Baz opening the batting with Brito. Like, he's been here for so long, he's scored so many runs, and he's a great guy. Uh, so he will be sorely missed uh, when he goes to Monaco. I'm sure that it will be lovely and sunny for him and Harry and Inca. Um and then Tiz. I mean, what can you say about Tiz? I know you're you're doing your best to fill his boots on the uh, admin side of things, Maxi. But uh, I mean, the man created the whole admin side of things. Uh, the, the amount of spreadsheets he's created for Plow, uh, the amount of algorithms that go into that website, uh, the hours and love he has poured into this club for I, don't, I can't even know six six years, seven years. Uh, and that's not even that's before you get to what a really good player he is. Uh, I mean, you just need to look at the stats. He scored a lot of runs. Uh, now that his legs are letting him, he's in the last couple of years started bowling really quick. I mean, last year he was the best player in the 2020 tournament. Uh, got the got the player of the tournament award, and he you know he's he scored serious and important runs for this club. Um, and the final thing Absolutely. to say is he's uh, just just an all-round great bloke. I mean, I think you struggle to find anyone who has a bad word to say about him. And if they do, they need to get their head checked. Uh, and I can only wish him and Hannah and Gus all the best when they fly to Australia tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, I believe. So it's your last chance. Maybe if we get the podcast up, he can listen to it on the plane over. Who knows? Kill an hour of his time. Yes, it was notable this morning as I saw James Desato has left the chat, the Nets chat. The devastating oh, moment. My heart sank. But uh, it's uh, speaking on the stats side of things, though, it's definitely a notable one. The fact that Iskander, Fred, and I are all doing the job of one man. Um, Absolutely, it says a lot of how much he was doing. That the three of us, three of us, are still taking that much time to uh, to do all this I- stuff, and he's. I heard Tom Glenn Jones is angling for a spot on that like admin side of things. I reckon he's good at admin. I absolutely am not. Uh, leave it to leave it to Max Wright. He uh, was uh, ran quizzes uh, pretty much every week of first lockdown for almost a year. So I think I think we're in safe hands. You'd like to think so. <laughs> Without wishing to blow up your ego too much. Max talking about his stats efficiency is like listening to Lonsdale talking about his bowling performances. It doesn't take that long, does it? <laughs> there's less there's less chess there on the show when you do it. Yeah, no rig out while doing stats. Okay, so Sunday saw our first fixture, I believe the gold fixture, going to Cincinnati CC. I was I was a late uh mover from this team. I was quite fancying a team named after a American state, town, uh, I figured they probably weren't much cop and there were runs to be and wickets to be had. Was that the case, Tom Glenn-Jones? 
oh, when we saw Cincinnati pop up, we did think that we were in for for quite an exciting little Sunday out in uh, in the American. I don't quite know where it is in America, but but a decent old decent old commute. Uh, it turns out it was actually down in uh, Bromley CC or Bromley Common CC, I should say, um, which was an absolutely beautiful ground. I think one point to note that we didn't realise on the day, but um, our, our, our resident stats gurus have, have shuffled the piece of paper over saying that it was Leon's 300th game for the club. So just to take a, a second to, to, um, uh, to, to appreciate uh, that level of, of, of performance over such a prolonged period of time. So congratulations, Leon. Um, great achievements. Um, but yeah, as I say, it was an absolutely beautiful ground, bathed in sunshine. Uh, they even had electronic scoreboards, which was really, really very exciting. Um, can I just jump in? Can um, I just jump in on Leon? Uh, I, I think great guy, great player. Also, does a, another one who does a huge amount behind the scenes, organising the fixtures. I mean, how many extra games has he fished out for us this year? He's he works really bloody hard, and he just needs a little shout out for that as well, as well as his three hundredth. Well done, Leon. So back to you, Tom Glenn Jones. Uh, tell us uh, who won the toss, who batted first, how did the game start off? So the game starts off with a little, with a couple of absences. Uh, Bob Keogh was stuck at Penge, uh, ends up getting changed in the back of a cab and arrived just as we were we were going out to field. Um, Busy, unfortunately, um, also uh, was running slightly late. I think rolled in uh, for the fifteenth over of our of our fielding performance. Um, there were some some fairly entertaining messages to the group to the group chat available on request uh, they're, they're with proof of age because they are a little bit fruity. Uh, hello at plowmancc.com. Um, but yeah, we lost the toss um, <laughs> and were put into field. Um, and uh, I should say the number of fielders on the day really didn't matter. Their their opener absolutely smashed it as we, as we'll see. Um, but we opened up with Harvey Stevens and Damon Greeny, uh, and they really didn't bowl badly at all. Harvey in particular was joining up the dots pretty well, bowling tidily, um, but their opener was just on a on a different planet. The, the pitch was very flat. It was a bit of a road, um, certainly once you were in, and and he really came out of the blocks absolutely flying. So, uh, yeah, they got off to a bit of a flyer. Um, I came on uh, to replace Damo um, and managed to pick up a couple of, of, of wickets with rank leg side balls um, caught well by, by Harvey and Alex Webster. A uh, quick shout out to Webster, who nearly took an unbelievable Simon Crane at Club Day-esque one-handed catch diving to his right, just bobbled out as his elbow hit the floor. Um, but then, you know, the opener tucked into me as well and, and, and the game felt like it was starting to get away from us. Uh, Benny Cobbett came on at the other end um, and he was really making the ball, making the ball talk. He was very unlucky not to take a, a shed load of wickets. Um, he took he took one bold there, I think they're number three. Um, with one that, that started <coughs> on off and then came in and took leg stump. Um, uh, he missed the stumps on a couple of occasions, once by just a coat of lacquer on the ball that was so close. Um, and he bowled really beautifully to their, to their opening bat, who was really motoring along past 50 at this point, bowling cutters into the pitch at him. Uh, there was one moment where uh, a, a chap without, without a helmet on scooped him over the keeper for four, um, which was followed up, uh, as you would expect, with a bouncer at sort of chin height. Um, and really, I think, I think bowl of the day was probably Joey. Um, he came on, um, bowling his leg spinners really superbly well. There were endless variations, so many plays and misses, um, and really deservingly got their opener for, um, for 94, uh, LBW. And, and by this point they had a pinch hitting number seven that also came in and was smashing it to all parks, uh, all parts rather. Um, Harvey came back, took a couple of well-deserved wickets and really kept his head up well while their opener. Was, was tucking into people and their pinch hitter as well. It was very sh- uh, short boundaries down the ground um, and, and both of those players deposited it into the car park a couple of times. So uh, just just a couple of things I want to unpack there. Uh, firstly, you kind of skated over your own figures. You said you picked up a couple of wickets. Frankly, it doesn't matter how you get them. In the book, it says here you got three for 30. And on a day where they made a large total, I think you're doing yourself a disservice there. That's fantastic bowling. Secondly... Harvey Stevens, can you confirm or deny? Apparently, he only gets fourfers. Was that the case again? It unfortunately wasn't the case today. He took, or yesterday rather, he took two, um, and and he did bowl. He did bowl really well. It was a tough day for bowling, and his his two wickets that came in the second spell were really well deserved. Yeah, and uh, the the final thing I want to say is I want to, uh, it's really good to see the transfer fund for Plowmans working well, getting three Dulwich players in. Uh, and uh, all three of them doing yeah, well on the yeah, day. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good it was a good bowling performance. I think despite the despite the the fairly massive total, they finished on two six seven for eight off their thirty five. 
their opener scoring 94 and their number seven smashing 53. Um, it, it was a decent pitch. We were a little bit sloppy in the field. We put down some chances, a few stumping, stumping shouts turned down in, should we say, questionable circumstances. Um, but we really, I think we kept at it really well. And I think particularly Harvey was really, was really hammering away on a line of the length. So I think hats off to him. And as I said earlier, Joey was, was, was really superb. There was a bit of turn and bounce on that pitch. Uh, which certainly helped my figures. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good it was a good polling performance. I think they were a little bit over over par, but what their innings showed was that once you were in, you needed to make it count. So good. Uh, yeah. So Joey looks a bit of a gun. Um, any any quiche related tea, tea chat you want to take us through, or should we just move straight on to the batting? Uh, well, there were actually quiches, but no patch on a Tosato quiche. So let's let's skim over that okay. if we can. Fair enough. All right, so on to the batting. Who opened up? So we opened up with Alex Webster and Leo, um, and I think the pitch looked good. We felt relatively confident, and, and Webster hit his first three balls for four. Um, really, we suddenly felt like we were really in with a shout and that it was a good pitch, and the oppo realised that they had a bit of a fight on their hands. Um, those two opened up really, really well, uh, playing aggressive shots, um, but also keeping up the good ball. They started with a with a 93-run opening stand um, before Webster fell for a clubbed 59 off 35. Um, Leo also brought up 50, um, batting with Hansi. Uh, he ran really well. I think particularly towards the end of his towards the end of his innings, he was looking to keep the scoring rate up. Um, was he was he wearing spikes this week? Because I've seen him running without spikes, and it's almost like a a, a horse at the Grand National, you know, when they're warming up and trotting, because he's like not trusting his footing. Was he wearing spikes this week? He absolutely was not wearing spikes. He was wearing the same Excellent. battered blue trainers. Black trainers. Thinking of they yeah. got soaked last week and are probably stinking. Yeah, it, it was a bit of Bambi on ice, uh, given how much he was running, but um, he put in a real shift there um, and, and tried to anchor the innings, I think, and, 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 and played really well, ending up similarly on 59 off 61. Um, Hansi struggled a little bit to start with, um, but but he, he got himself in, rotated the strike well um, and, and, and anchored it really. Uh, Leon got got dismissed early, well caught um, behind square on the offside. Um, Bob Keogh started to look good, and similarly he um, he was he was bold. Benny got Benny missed a straight one, um, and so it was Joey and I at the crease with still a, a fair few number of runs required, despite our good start. Um, Joey hit his first ball, leading edge for six, back over the bowler's head. And it was looking like Glenn Maxwell shimmying around in the crease, trying to target the leg side um, to, to get us done. We, we needed to go at about 10 and over at this point. Um, and he was hitting some, some fairly majestic shots, depositing it into the trees on more than one occasion. Um, we tried to run hard. We were doing just about enough um, until one of their openers came back and they, had, they brought on a, a change bowler as well. Both left arm, the awkward angle um, really just slammed on the brakes. Um, I chipped one to to mid to mid wicket um, for twelve ish, um, and Joey kept on going for a bit um, before being dismissed for forty two. Uh, Harvey and, and Busy at the, at the end couldn't quite get us over the line. Uh, we fell short two hundred and forty four for eight off our thirty five. Very good. Um, so unfortunate loss, uh, but good performances both with the bat and the ball. Um, not satisfactory day, but. You know, as good as a loss can be. Um, uh, man of the match for you? Man of the match, I think, would probably... It was a fa- it's a fairly difficult one. Joey bowled well, very unlucky to only get one wicket. But I think, I think the batting, Alex Webster and, and Leo, I think, I think they'll share the plaudits for their 59 apiece. A I think you can't really separate them. Uh, they played very different innings, uh, but, but both played really well. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so now on to the other Sunday, which was... Plowman's Blue playing against Stratton Marlborough at the DSG. Indeed it was, and myself and Mr Gumpert were lucky enough to be present on what was a gloriously sunny day. Uh, Max, you want to talk us through the initial opening thoughts, toss, captain, etc, etc? So, Liam Gray, double-heading, double-heading as captain, took us out. Uh, We had a very strong team. Some late changes brought Suri into the lineup, uh, and uh, a few of the batsmen there with a point, a few points to prove. Um, Stratton Marlborough 
one of our local rivals, maybe not up there with South Plank, but uh, definitely, definitely one of those games we want to win every year. And um, it was a lovely day. Hollies looked good. We thought time to get some runs, book in for bed and breakfast. That's very good then. So what was the result of the toss? Uh, so Liam won the toss and we went into bat. Uh, it was myself and Ben Fletcher. Uh, Ben Fletcher as a senior opener, of course, took first strike, uh, and we started okay. Uh, they had, uh, they, so they always have some good opening bowlers, uh, at Streatham and Marlborough. Uh, they go with good pace. Uh, that said, their opener, Z, uh, had a bit of a disaster. First over went for 14. He had, a five wides and a five no balls. Uh, so I think his first over 14 and then he ended up only going for like 30 in the rest of the day. So apart that aberration aside, he, he proved his worth later on. Um, it was, a, it was a really good pitch. So there was lots of pace, lots of bounce. Um, it actually made it slightly easier to hit the faster bowlers. You could really hit through the line on the up in a way that you haven't been able to do on hollies as, since I've been part of the club. Uh, and maybe slightly trickier for the guys who are rolling the fingers, bowling a bit slower, a bit cannier um, to, to get them away. Uh, so me and Ben Fletcher had a good opening partnership. Um, unfortunately, he got one which uh, uh, the opener rolled in like a fast off break uh, and he nicked on. Um, but I was then joined by Will Curtis and the two of us uh, dug in uh, and we complemented each other's styles quite nicely. So I was... Uh, gradually building up the the rhythm and the pace of my innings, uh, starting to hit some boundaries. He was very watchful, uh, loves to bat. Man, he batted for so long. Uh, you, you were counting on the app. How long was he actually in for? Do you remember on the day? Roughly uh, yes. speaking. So he ended up uh, being in for over two hours of batting. Didn't help that Stratton and Marlborough were changing the field every, every literally every ball, uh, but he did face 94 it, balls in total. Yeah, it was obscene. Every time a ball went somewhere, they would wait till everyone had got back to their position and then the captain would move the fielder. So it did take a long time. Uh, but he batted beautifully. Uh, we ran quick singles. <coughs> and luckily, I was able to accelerate uh, on and uh, brought, up a, brought up a 100, which has been a long time coming. Really enjoyed it. Lovely day for batting. Uh, Will Curtis went on to bring up his own 50, ended up on 60-something. And uh, we managed to put on 150 for that second wicket. It was really, really good partnership. Yeah, that's, that is the highest partnership for the club this season so far. 150, which is obviously great for the, great for everyone to be involved in that. Shout out to Will as well. See a new signing, uh, looking very effective. Pushed his average over 50 for the plough in yeah, his first, I, first four games. Gunning, gunning for that batting trophy, you know. Well, exactly. It says a lot that uh, of active ploughman, he is now third <coughs> in terms of his career average for the plough. Although I think some people who've been here a bit longer might debate it takes a bit longer to build up a proper average, but still can't deny it. Is that the Mike Hassey debate when he started off like a train and then it gradually dwindled down but, yeah, his average? Adam Voges when he was averaging 100 for about 10 games yeah. and then disappeared. The new Don Bradman um, at 36. Something like that. He uh, So after... Uh, you and Will both got out, sort of 130 and 61 respectively. Pretty amazing scores. Who came in next to keep going? Uh, so, uh, luckily, we had a stacked batting lineup. So, uh, Suri and Brito came in. They pushed it on. Uh, both batted pretty well. Uh, made a few scores. Kept the scoreboard ticking over. Suri got out with a couple of balls to go. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and then you faced a couple of balls at the end there, didn't you, Maxi? Yeah, one leg by. That was my day. One leg back. Yeah. There you go. They all count. The aptly named Thanks for Coming podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but yeah, like a, a solid 40 partnership between Brito and Suri at the end, really helping us push over to a total of 243, which sort of more than a run of ball. They all count. Probably what you want on the Hollies uh, to be defending, uh, especially against a Stratum and Marlborough team. Uh, they were keen for it. They reckon they had it at half time. They reckon they had it in them. So yeah, give us any insights on T's. At the DSG, tees were you know fairly standard. The, the standard has gone up this year. It has to be said. The COVID offerings were were bare, um, but uh, Unless you were big the fans were good. of blocks of cheese. Yeah, the, the, the mammoth blocks of cheese were something else. 
Uh, anyway, uh, they were fine. A few beers were had. Nigel came down to support. He'd, he'd had a skin fall by the time that half type halfway stage got there. Uh, it was about 4.30 when we got off the pitch after their first. So we started late and they bowled their overs incredibly slowly. And yeah, at T we were just trying to get through it as quickly as possible because we knew we were going to be finishing around 8 o'clock. So how do we start with <coughs> in the field? Uh, we started well. So Liam's team talk was win the first 10 overs and we're halfway to winning the game. And uh, he took the ball himself and uh, him and Drew uh, were effective uh, in their opening partnership. Uh, Drew bowled like an absolute machine. Um, so many maidens. Um, really, he's got the ball on a string. Uh, and he's so, his action is so repeatable. Bowled beautifully, good pace, was enjoying the extra bounce on the hollies. Uh, Liam was getting some extra bounce from the bottom end, the tree end. Don't ask me which ends the bush or the Liam Gray end. It's just too much detail for me. Uh, but they both bowled well. Uh, they had a 15-year-old kid uh, who spanked some sixes at the top. He was gun- gunning for it. Um, then, uh, yeah, they uh, we've got a couple of wickets. Uh, another fella came in, uh, made, made himself a 50, batted pretty well, although he did absolutely middle one off Brito that should have been given out court. Caused a bit of controversy. Um, the uh, one of their batsmen was so upset by the controversy that he retired himself out on about 30. It was very odd because they were definitely still in the run chase at this point. Uh, I reckon they needed about 100 off 15 or so overs and he decided to, to, to go and have a break under the tree rather than carrying on his innings. Yes, it was a bit odd that, wasn't it? Because he kept his pads on. So he clearly he sort of thought he, in theory, he might have retired out, but not retired hurt as opposed to retired out. Um, but uh, in talking to one of their batsmen as well, apparently... Their skipper was in his ear or from the sideline telling him to speed up as well, which doesn't help when you're already a bit knocked off. Yes. Uh, I mean, their, their skipper was seemed very harsh on their own players. Uh, one poor lad was literally being told to get himself out because he wasn't batting quickly enough. And he was, I don't know, 16, 17. He was so upset that he left at the halfway point. Like, yeah, he, he left off. As, soon, so, as soon as he got out, he packed his bag and off he went. Um, which uh, uh, So that was a bit, bit of a shame to see. Not, not the spirit of cricket, I think, but, uh, you know, each their own. Uh, we're glad that we've got Geordie and AJ from them. Uh, no comment on the way they run their club. Uh, anyway, so then, yeah, it got quite tense. Um, Brito was bowling, uh, so things got even more tense. Uh, there, were, there was an interesting moment uh, where one of their batsmen decided to try and do a, 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 a Coley. Uh, he clearly got bowled, uh, but then tried to suggest that uh, Ben had taken the bails off with his gloves wasn't walking and their umpire we weren't sure for a moment i thought their umpire was going to give him not out but in the end their umpire did say in the yeah now nah, you, you gotta go uh so that was interesting and at the end of the and day that was important we as well that too one, much for them uh, good. so that was important yeah, that he was going 50 well, he, he was your 50 and grazer brought himself back into the attack took the wicket yeah, uh, that, yeah. So Liam uh, had a bit of a struggle with his first spell, but bowled brilliantly when he came back. Rees uh, bowled an excellent set. I think twenty nine off his eight overs uh, got himself a wicket or two. Really good, uh, really good bowling. Uh, and um, Dan Rumford as well. Really economical spell. Uh, and uh, yeah, so between the three of them, they had the economy. And Brito and Liam bowled really well as well. Liam's second spell was really economical. Brito bowled eight overs in the last 20, like phenomenal effort again with the ball from Brito, becoming a bit of an all-rounder. Uh, maybe we've misgendered him on the uh, fantasy page. Is Brito an all-rounder? Well, and just to say that wicket does bring Brito within t- within under 10 wickets of the all-time Plowman's top 10 wicket takers. <coughs> so I'm sure he's absolutely fizzing out the bung, as Mr. Crane would say, to try and break 10 more. Only eight behind Mr. Carson as well. So can he overtake the club captain? Specialist nowadays. Frightening statistic. So anyway, yeah, we had too much for them. We won by about 45, 50 runs. Um, it was tense. It's always tense when you play your local rivals. It was it was a good game. And uh, we are playing them at their away ground, at their home ground in two weeks. And that is a lovely, lovely batting deck. So if you're a batsman and you're out of form, or you're in form and you want to score more runs, get yourself down to Stratman Marlborough. But they did say they would bring a gun team to try and get us back, so beware. And he said, I think it's notable how well we fielded yesterday, generally. Uh, three catches, two runouts, and a stumping. Can't be all bad on a Sunday, especially after how long we'd have to wait to get out there. 
Yeah. And I think you have to, uh, you have to get some credit. I mean, I, I don't actually remember you injuring your shin, but you could barely walk and you literally went from the boundary to the other side of the field boundary and back hobbling on one leg. So I think, you know, you put in a real shift for the team there, mate. Well done. Well, thank you indeed. Uh, any post-match antics to be aware of? Nothing, nothing worthy of note. Turned out that their skipper, Bobby Iftikhar, had played cricket for Pakistan. Uh, so good to get one over an international cricketer. Has to be said, he is in his 60s now. So his international days are a fair while uh, behind him. But still. Right, that's enough of actual cricket. Let's go to everyone's favourite section, fantasy cricket. Is the real life? Is this just fantasy cricket? Uh, for fantasy this week, uh, the headline stats: uh, the highest scoring team, none other than my very own dirty old plough with one thousand two hundred and thirty points. Uh, what can I say when you have Ben Fletcher, Brito? Strew Withers, Greg Willis, and you captain yourself. Uh, that's that's how you do it. Uh, lowest score for the week. Uh, the offensively named six offenders. Uh, Richard James, I'm not sure he's changed his team since the beginning of the season. I think only three of his team played this week. So we'll, we'll, we'll let that slide. Um, but uh, yeah, Richard, you need to get working on that team. Uh at the top of the leaderboard, uh, as we go into, what is it, week six or seven, uh, it's bang, bang here, lads. Leo Connolly, uh, he's, he's, he's top of the leaderboard uh, on 3,631 and about 15 points behind is my own dirty old plough. Will Curtis, also another 100 or so back, still in the races. Uh, and sneaking into the top five, hoving into view. The late entrant, because Trent Catanzariti's come back from Australia. His fantasy team's on point. Unfortunately, he's hurt his rib, so he wasn't able to play this week. But his fantasy team's on point, and he is trying to sneak in with a late run in a Manchester United-esque fashion. Um, best player for the week, Drew Withers, 198 points. Absolute stormer for him. And uh, I've just I've I've made a couple of extra little notes of people I think might be worth getting into your team. So in the value for money section, Leo Niepower, one point one million, ninety four points for the weekend. Excellent showing from him. Picked by exactly zero percent of the plough. Food for thought there. And uh, Ben Cobbett as well, one point two million. He's got the fifth most points for any bowler at the club at 234. Again, picked by 0% of the plough. So if you are looking for a value for money option, those are my two shouts for the week. Uh, and my definite pointer for the week is that 2% of you are still picking Fred in your team. So you guys, you, you need to have a think about why you're doing that. <laughs> so Tom, would you say are your fantasy picks for the rest of the season? So I think it's difficult. It, it's fairly fairly uncontroversial but I think it's difficult to look past the the two's pace bowling lineup um Spence Drew Daisy Dukes uh AJ Azarul Azza um I think they're going to take an absolute shed load of wickets in that league um and then I think it would be remiss of me not to not to shout out the spinners maybe for later in the season as pitchers start to break up a bit more I think Elmsley and Joey both both good leg spin bowlers I think they're going to take a load mid-season and they're already starting well um so yeah, not hugely controversial picks, but but I think that's the way to yeah, go. Yeah, personally, I'm putting uh, Drew Withers in my team. Uh, cheap, one of the cheapest players as a newbie, but he takes wickets, he takes catches, he's quick across the ground. He knows what he's doing with the bat. I haven't seen him in the nets. So I'm not sure he's actually batted in a game yet, uh, but I've seen him in the nets, and I'm pretty sure that he could easily whack a twenty or a thirty, if not many. Um, and obviously Ben Fletcher. Although don't pick Ben Fletcher for the next two weeks because he's cycling up and down the the country. Um, Go check out his Instagram if you want to give him a bit of support for that. Uh, but he's away for the next two weeks, so don't pick him in your team for the next two weeks. So, yeah, the highest amount of points for the batters this week is Mr. Gumpert. Uh, Leo Niepower in second place after his amazing 50. Uh, best bowler this week, Drew Withers, closely followed by Joey uh, with his double heading as well. Uh, top all-rounder for the week is Greg Willis. 
who didn't actually have a bat in the end, but bowled incredibly well. So as the specialist all-rounders go, did very well. And keepers, uh, Ben Fletcher topped with a 50, uh, two catches and a stumping. Uh, can't go wrong with that as a, as a keeper. So well done, Ben. And that concludes the fantasy section of the podcast. Any other business? Okay, so a few bits to cover here this week. Uh, as we find out, has anyone's learned anything from Duray's masterclass on the last pod? Uh, we talk about our weekly awards as a regular feature. We've got our answer to the super stat of the week from T- uh, James Zato's super stat of the week from Butlin and Trent, as well as a few season updates. And I've even been promised some quiche chat from Mr. Max Gumpert. And I think we should probably kick off with that quiche chat. Well, I just thought that uh, since it is James Tosato's last week, everyone would be interested to know that his choice of quiche for the final game for the Ploughmans was a delicious caramelised onion variety, so he tells me. It wasn't actually consumed at the game. He consumed it as on the way to the game on the train. Um, but he wanted everyone to know. I'm glad, and uh, I'm sure many people will raise, raise a crust to, to tears every time they have one at a tea henceforth. Uh, moving on now to our weekly awards, uh, loves to bat award. Um, any notable mentions from you, chaps? Uh, Will Curtis would be my pick. He batted for hours and didn't really play a shot on anger. Was looked very controlled and bat for ages. So he bloody loves batting. I want to say Ben Fletcher for mine for his performance on Saturday, fifty-seven or fifty-four. So it wasn't quite the uh, the long form batting that we that we love to see. Uh, on the loves to bat section of the pod, but he still did a very good job. Run a ball on a very tricky pitch. He just loves to bat. Yeah, it wasn't a day for for nerdling um, at Bromley on Sunday either. Um, but but as I said, being said earlier, Leo and Alex Webster both both batted exceptionally well for their fifty nines. Um, there are a couple that jumped out when I was scrolling through the through the stats. Uh, Baz seven or mm. forty six uh, in the ones game. Uh, that that I don't know whether that was plays and misses. He was like certainly. he was really digging in there, and and then also three off twenty nine on Saturday from uh, host today. Max Wright um, loves to bat. I actually hated batting on that day, but that's a it's a different <laughs> issue entirely. Um, well, I think it's one of those interesting questions. Does do you give it to someone like Mister Gumper with his one hundred and thirteen, or do you give it to someone like Will who faced ninety four balls? And I think we're saying if someone loves to bat, they stick around for a bit longer. So my vote for today is definitely going for Will Curtis. Agreed. Good, good winner. Well done, Will. You absolutely love to bat. Then we're talking about obsessed with line and length. And I think this is going to be a... Cl- I don't know how you pick who's going to be the best, most obsessed with line and length this week. Uh, I'll kick it off with, I think, CRS, who bowled fantastically for the twos on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, bowling eight overs and only conceding eight runs across his whole spell. Yeah, very worthy nomination. Can I can I suggest that Drew might need to get into this conversation? So just I'm furiously looking at the stats. Uh, yesterday he went eight overs, two maidens, sixteen runs, two wickets, and that was his second game of the weekend. Because if we look at his stats against Burheath, he also went. Uh, where is it? Sorry, he also went. He also went uh, six overs, one maiden, twenty-five runs, four wickets. Like he's a man who's done it on two days successively. It's a bit expensive though to go four and over on your first day, though. Oof. Especially when CRS is only going at ones. Yeah. Some of us dream of going four and over. I think someone else who needs to be in the conversation is is Joey. Another du- double header uh, Saturday, seven overs. Only went for nine runs, took four wickets. And then on Sunday, as has been discussed, tricky bowling conditions, uh, but only went for 23 and took took a key <laughs> wicket. So I think he's also got to be in the conversation alongside Drew and CRS. So we've got... Um, Honourable honorable mention to Puff, but he always wins it. So he's discounted, I think, for this week, yes? Absolutely. Uh, so we're doing really well on the Australians there for Joey, for CRS and for Drew. Uh I think I'm going to go straight down the line for economy. One and over CRS is my vote. Seconded. Yeah. 
You're the boss. It's your podcast, mate. Well, there we go. So CRS takes the biscuit for being assessed with the line length. Yeah. The third man I will be finished with today. Uh, and who would you, lads, put forward for this one? I mean, I always nominate myself for this award, regardless of what's <laughs> happened in the game. Back yourself. I took two grabs at the weekend. I reckon I've got it nailed. Well, I'm going to put down, uh, I've got two nominations for this one. Ben Fletcher, wicket-keeping, perhaps not getting the, the love he deserves for two catches and a stumping across the weekend, uh, as well as uh, the play from, uh, as well as Drew, who's getting a lot of love this week, but he took four catches across the weekend, including three of which are off his own bowling, um, which is pretty impressive. And I think it, to mark his 300th game, shout out again for Leon Parks, unbelievable behind the stumps again, take many takes down the leg sides. Uh, an under edge off Harvey uh, that took all the pace off. It was diving forwards uh, and also helps me out with the stumping as well. So shout out for him, pulling on the heartstrings to try and avoid uh, a gump at victory. Uh, I, I actually have a serious nomination as well because I know I won't win it. Um, John Rivers, uh, run out and a catch. Uh, I think oh, he fielded excellently all day yesterday. Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to show us what he could do with the bat because of people making runs. Absolute Trojan, trooped from boundary to boundary, fielded really well. I'd, I'd like to nominate him for this week. Indeed, he did really, really well and kept the focus up, kept the chat up, which is always really helpful in the field. Uh, but I think I'm definitely going to have to go with Drew for the week. Four catches is a very impressive day out uh, and he's proving his worth across the weekend. I mean, he's had an unbelievable weekend. I think he deserves at least one gong, so he gets my vote as well. There we go. Fair enough. I'd like to give a quick shout-out about a month into the season uh, to the totals we're going on. So, shout-out, first of all, to Rees and Liam, who've both played eight matches already each, uh, which is an outstanding effort within a month of the season starting. Lots of double-heading, lots of cricket being played. Grazer's already bowled... No social lives. But Grazer's already bowled over 50 overs this season. He only bowled 61 last season. So, he's really racking them up. Uh, In terms of runs scored... Uh, helped by a big 113 <coughs> the weekend uh, Max is at the top with 258 runs scored so far Cake is in second with 177 and Reese 153 helped by a 76 a couple of weeks ago uh, moving on to bowling and the most wickets I'm sure you can probably tell is Ollie Lonsdale who has 18 wickets at a strike rate of 8.17 so he's taking a wicket every less than over and a half, um, which is pretty impressive. Uh, just to give the ego a bit of a kick, he has also bowled the most wides out of anyone in the club so far this season. So you can't give him everything. Uh, but other than that, everyone's bowled very, very well this season, as we said earlier. Daisy Jukes. Can you, can you, can you imagine what his strike rate would be if he hadn't bowled all those wides? Well, his average would certainly be, well, his average would be a lot better. Oof. Um has, it, has he gone for more runs off the bat or more off the wides? That's an interesting uh, stat. He's bowled he's 75 off the... Uh, no, 70, 68 off the bat and 33 in extras. Oh. So uh, he's letting the... Well, begin- something to work on there, Mr Lonsdale. Yeah, just uh, keep, keep be a bit more consistent, Ollie. Come on. Uh, and then Daisy Jukes and Drew, 10 and 9 wickets each so far from their games. Very impressive. As always, uh, I hate facing both of them. The net's a bit too much pace for me. Uh, but very well done to everyone there. And fielding, well, he's nominated himself for fielder of the week, but Max Gumpet is also top of the fielding with nine fielding involvements so far. Uh, eight catches and one run out. Uh, and Drew with us, also six catches, four of them this weekend, as we've previously mentioned. Uh, very impressive week for everyone. Uh, sledge of the week, uh, I think, comes from our blue game on Sunday which was in fact by one of the opposition players who uh, during a heated debate uh, about a court behind Drew told him to put a sock in it and his very clever reply was you put two pairs of socks in it because your mouth is bigger than mine um, I'm not sure gold. he's been ab- absolute gold I'm not sure he's been, he needs some Duray needs to go down to Stefan Marlborough and give him a seminar I think but I'm not really sure uh, what was going on there uh, and also, I think we're just going to finish off today with the answer to the Jimmy Tizzato superstat of the week from last time out. Chris Butland asked <laughs> you 
which bowler who has at least 10 wickets has the highest uh, number when you multiply strike rate by economy? Uh, sorry, the lowest number when you multiply strike rate by economy of all active members of the plough. Uh, did you two, either of you two have any guesses for this one? Uh, it's too much maths. I have no idea. My calculator ran out of battery, so nothing from me, I'm afraid. Well, uh, the answer is one of fellow hosts of the show and someone who probably doesn't need the ego boost, but it's Iskander Eaton with oh, a strike rate of 18. Take a break, Iskander. A strike rate of 18.2. So a wicket every three overs and an economy rate of 3.7. Uh, so very impressive stuff from him uh, bowling his off spin. Uh, Bush is next, uh, followed by Lonsdale. So if Lonsdale can keep his strike rate up at the current rate, he'll probably be number one by the end of the season. Uh, either of you got any who said it's for this week as well? Yeah, I, I do have one. Probably quite an easy one to guess for someone that, that rolled in 15 overs too late to our fielding performance. But having done so, as we were just sitting down for a beer to reminisce about the day, who said, uh, I'm afraid I've got to shoot off, lads. I've got another engagement. The world's busiest man in cricket. No clues there. Answers on a postcard, please. Hello at plowmancc.com. And then I believe Mr. Gumper is taking on the mantle of the Jimmy Tosato Superstat of the Week for this week. Yeah, so the Jimmy Tosato Superstat of the Week. This club is obsessed with line and length, as we know, and probably the purest expression of that is in the maiden's count that bowlers can rack up during a season. So I've gone through the stats and I have this question for you. Which of these three distinguished plough bowlers has the highest maiden percentage of their overs bowled for the plough. Is it A, Logan Cassin from his 113 overs? Is it B, Damon Greeny from his 112 overs? Or is it C, Ollie Lonsdale from his 163.4 overs? And it's completed overs only. So uh, it's the percentage of, wick- uh, percentage of maidens that they have bowled. Answers again on a postcard, please, to hello at ploughmancc.com. Uh, all that's left for me to say is to Mr. Tonglin Jones and to Mr. Max Gumpert. Thanks for coming, gents. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Cheers, thanks. And thanks for listening. Goodbye.